Welcome to Simplify Your Retirement with Certified Financial Planner Stephen Strickland from Wise Wealth LLC. In this podcast, we help individuals and couples plan for a peaceful and enjoyable retirement. Join us on this journey where we explore the importance of simplifying the retirement planning process as Stephen, with his years of experience and expertise in retirement income planning, along with guest experts, will help you achieve first wisdom, then wealth. And don't forget to check out the Simplify Your Retirement online course and other great resources at SimplifyYourRetirement.com. Now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to Simplify Your Retirement with Stephen Strickland from Wise Wealth. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Paul. How's it going? It's going great. I know uh, we're excited about season four here. We had a couple great episodes with uh, Larry Kotlikoff on Uh and uh, excited for some more guests yet this uh, season. Yep. But, um, you know, not every show is going to have a guest. Absolutely. You know, it, it was great to talk to Larry, and he's one of these guys, like we said before, you know, if, if someone's listened to the first two episodes of season four, he's one of the first guests we brought back. He's always interesting. Like we said, he's an economist. Uh, he's a professor. He's an author. And so one thing we are excited about this year is having different authors come on who've written specifically about retirement planning, mm-hmm. which is the focus of our firm, which is really the focus of the show. But uh, then there's going to be times where we don't have guests. And then uh, on those, I'm looking forward to those too, because there are are certain topics uh, that we obviously hear about all the time in our firm, mm-hmm. uh, people that we're dealing with on a daily basis, things that are, you know, questions they have, concerns they have. And I'm excited to address a lot of those during the season as well. Yeah, exactly. And and I know today's topic is a really uh, very important one for no other reason, because this is the topic mm-hmm. that impacts everyone. It impacts everyone, you know what I mean? And it's a topic that a lot of people are talking about, you know? I I didn't know if I should make up some sort of, like, riddle this morning, like, (laughs) you know, what is the one thing that's always there that you can't see? You know, these kinds of things, of course, right before I got on the show, you you gave me a little... uh, A little uh, statement. What was your statement about this? <laughs> oh, I said, uh, you know, this is a topic that's just going to be, uh, it's rising up with people or something That's right. Like yeah, that. People yeah. are going to rise out of this topic. Yeah, yeah exactly. So <laughs> if you're wondering what we're talking about, let's just go ahead and let it out of the bag. We're talking about inflation um, in this uh, in this show today. And really, uh, like you said, Paul, uh, people do get a rise about it. People are talking about it, it seems like, especially to begin uh, 2022. Yeah. Uh, seems to be a lot of talk about inflation and whether or not anybody's actually talking about about it, uh, like we're saying, it's always there, yeah. uh, whether people are talking about it or not. But really, the real issue is whether or not um, this should cause hysteria. It's really whether mm-hmm. or not this should, you know, cause people to, you know, panic or freak out like it's never happened before. <laughs> uh, the reality is that inflation is always there. Yes, it is. And uh, and so because it's always there and it's related to money, finances, re- retirement planning, that is going to be the topic of today's show. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think about, too, this is so important because when we go back to the very beginning of this podcast in season one, mm-hmm. when we start talking about all the risks that mm-hmm. retirees face or people planning for retirement, yeah. this is one of those risks. And you always say you don't have a plan unless you have a plan that address all the risks. And mm-hmm. so this is one that has to be addressed. And so Absolutely. I think it's a great topic to be able to bring up here. 
Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, there is no retirement income planning without addressing the risk. And then we also like to always say, don't let your portfolio take a hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you have, you could have the best, you know, financial plan, you could have the best portfolio. Uh, but at the end of the day, as you're living out your retirement, you don't want to take a hit. And for us, that stands for healthcare, inflation, and taxes, three of the big things that impact people over their lifetime in retirement. So I'll just jump right into it. Yeah. You know, we've got, uh, I know that this is a big topic and <laughs> And a lot that we want to talk about today, but just, you know, what is inflation? So a lot of times uh, when we're looking for a definition of anything related, you know, financially, a lot of people may or may not be aware of this, but mm-hmm. there's a great place to look for that. And that's a website called Investopedia. It's like an encyclopedia for financial terms. So I'm just going to throw that out there to everybody to check that out sometime. If you're looking for information related to, you know, financial terms, uh, maybe three-letter acronyms that you hear from time to time <laughs> that you have no idea what they mean. You can always go to Investopedia. So according to Investopedia, inflation is the decline of purchasing power of a given currency over time. And so just in essence, what that means is if $1 today is not going to buy what a dollar, you know, a dollar 20 years from now is not going to buy what a dollar does today. And in a real life example, I just went back to the year 2000, Mm -hmm. the year 2000 to today, 2022. What's the difference? And then I looked it up and it said that the difference is a dollar in 2000 means a dollar 61 today, Mm. 20 years later. Yeah. So it would take a dollar sixty-one to buy what it would have taken a dollar to buy in the year two thousand. And little by little, this has crept on up on us. You know, for example, you know, you used to be able to drive through the the drive-through at the the fast food place, and for whatever reason, uh, this still bothers me that you drive through the drive-through and you think that it's going to cost five dollars, right? You know, yeah. for a meal, but you know, you get there and it costs eight. Instead of five. And like still to this day, I keep thinking it's going to cost five. And every time they tell me it's eight or nine, I'm thinking this is ridiculous. All I got is just one, you know, happy meal or one, you know, one meal. (laughs) You know what I mean? But the reality is at $1.61 per dollar, that means $5 equals eight. If it costs $5 in the year 2000, it costs $8 in the year 2020. But here's where, where it really impacts people when it gets to retirement planning. If someone said to us in the year 2000, my income goal is $5,000 a month Mm -hmm. in order to maintain that standard of living in 2020, it would be $8,000 a month. Yeah. So that's why this is important. So in other words, um, it's always there, like we talked about. So it's happening behind the scenes. Um, And so, you know, it just means that, you know, in order to, uh, if you want to keep purchasing the same thing that you're able to purchase now, your income needs to keep up with, the rate of inflation. Yeah. And I, you know, I think people see it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I think about what I used to pay for gas when I got married almost 25 years ago. Yeah. But, and, and what I pay now, but I think people don't feel the effects of it as much right. as retirees just because when you're working, a lot of times you get something each year cost of living, a raise, raise, a raise, cost or something of living like that. Adjustment. So it doesn't impact and, you as much during your working years. Yeah. yeah, but once you go on a fixed income, things all change. of a sudden things exactly. change. Exactly, and we're definitely going to talk about that. Uh, you brought up, you know, uh, a gallon of gas, and so <laughs> I have a couple examples here that people may relate to, and I and I'm just going back to 2000, mm-hmm. just as an easy, you know, starting point. One yeah. gallon of gas. This is an example of how inflation impacts us. A gallon of gas in 2000 
a dollar fifty one. Dollar fifty one. Wow. Dollar fifty one. The average today. I looked it up today before we got on the show. The average cost for a gallon of gasoline in the state of Missouri is two dollars and ninety three cents. Mm. So that over twenty two year period of time is almost doubled. Yeah. That's for a gallon of gas. But a gallon of milk is more in line with the regular rate of inflation. The, a gallon of milk in the year two thousand cost two dollars and seventy eight cents. A gallon of milk in 2021 or 22 is $3.77, a dollar more. So really roughly, and if you think about this, if it costs 60% more Mm -hmm. today for the same thing to buy 20 years ago, that's 3% per year, which is really in line with the average long-term annual rate of inflation, by the way, since 1913. Wow. Okay. From 1913 to 2020, the average annual rate of inflation has been 3.1%. Mm. So that's always just a good number to use. Yeah. And that's literally what it has been the last 20 years, 3% mm-hmm. per year. Wow. And so that's a good number to go by. And so, you know, how does it happen? Um, it doesn't happen, uh, you know, Paul, like we've talked about many times every year. It's not like every year it goes up by 3%. Next year, you know what I mean? It's going to cost me, you know, uh, three cents more than it did last year. You know, that's not how it happens. Mm. And in fact, we've looked at this over, you know, decade by decade. Yeah. And, and if I'm, I'm just going to go back to the 1970s. I think there's a few people listening to the show who remember <laughs> uh, what inflation was like in the 1970s. But from uh, the decade of the 70s, from yeah. 70 to 79, the rate of inflation for that decade. And again, this is the average rate for that decade. That means that some years it was higher than this. Some years mm-hmm. it was lower than this, but the rate of inflation for the 70s was seven and a quarter percent. Seven okay. and a quarter, wow. Seven and a quarter. In the 80s, the average was 5.82. Hmm. In the 90s, it was 3.08. And really for the last 20 years, we've hardly had any. In, in the year 2000 to 2009, it was two and a half, 2.54. 2010 to 2019, it was 1.75. In the last couple of years, 1.78. The whole point of even saying that is, so some years it's been seven, some years it's been five, some years it's been one. The average is three. Hmm. And so even on years where, let's say that inflation, we go back to a time where people are really afraid of, we're going back to the 70s where inflation is seven and eight and nine and 10% per year. Even if that were to happen, let's say for a 10-year period of time, the average over someone's life expectancy, lifetime is still always been around 3%, Mm -hmm. 3.1%. But that just means that we don't have to go crazy just because inflation one year is 6%. Or inflation one year is 9%. That is not good, you know, per se, but it also means that it doesn't mean that that's going to be what it's always going to be from that point forward, which is the way that most people tend to look about everything. When the stock market's going down for a couple of days, for a couple of weeks, that's the way it's going to be forever. Or if there is an occurrence that happens that makes the stock market go down, a lot of people tend to believe this is something different. Mm-hmm. You know, this is something new. This is this has never happened before. And it's kind of like the same thing we're seeing with inflation, where people are starting to think, oh boy, here we go. It's getting ready to go up. It's high. But you know, it was it was way higher than this in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. It, it may go back there. But my point of saying that is yes, yeah, during those times you deal with it, but I still think the best way to look at it is to say, over my lifetime, a good average, since it's been the average for over a hundred years. Mm is 3.1% a year, about 3% a year for inflation. Yeah. And, and, you know, average, just that word in and of itself, a lot of times people forget that when there are extremes. Yeah. 
That's right. You know, we, we throw out a, a, a term like average, but that means it factors in all the highs yeah. and all the lows. Right, exactly. You know, and yep. so it, it, it's something to keep in mind, too. Yep, absolutely. And so, you know, then I look at how does this impact us? How does this 3% a year of inflation, mm-hmm. you know, impact, uh, impact us? Normally, it is slowly and steady over time. And the way I like to look at it, honestly, is everyone should start every year. And wherever their investments are, whatever they have savings, you start every year with a negative 3%. Mm-hmm. That really is what that means. If inflation goes up by 3% every year, every dollar I have today is going to be worth, it's going to buy 3% less next year. Mm-hmm. So you start every year with a negative 3%. So if you do that, that starts to impact or really should start to impact the way you handle your investments. So it impacts us every day. It's silent. It's out there. Um, There are some things that are not impacted. Mm -hmm. You know, we look at, you know, what is not impacted by inflation, you know, so some of the things we can't control. So if you have a fixed debt payment, so if you have a car payment, you know, that has a fixed rate of return, that $1 in payments today is still going to be $1 in payments three years from now. Mm -hmm. The mortgage you have today, if it's a dollar today, it's still only going to be a dollar 20 years from now, not a dollar 60. So fixed debt sometimes has some advantages because it doesn't increase with inflation. It stays on the rate that you buy it. Same thing with, you know, a fixed payment of some kind, like a life insurance premium or something like that. If you lock that in in today's rates, it doesn't increase with inflation. So it actually gets cheaper over time. And then while people are in retirement, you know what I mean? There's always something that we can control. A lot of times we, yes. we freak out over things that we can't. For example, <laughs> there's not a single person alive that can control or deal with inflation. Mm-mm. It's a necessary, it's a thing that's always going to happen. What he, what we can deal with is how we invest our money, Yes. number one. Number two, but also how we spend our money. You know, there are lifestyle adjustments. So, you know, maybe if we're planning for retirement and we're planning on, hey, 3% per year, and you have a year where inflation was 9%, it just might mean that you take, you know, one less trip than you planned on that year. So in other words, there's always things that we can do about every single risk, mm-hmm. right? There's not a single risk that's out there that we say, oh boy, that one, there's just, no, there's no answer for the answer is going to be oh, with inflation. It's always going to be how do you handle your investments, which we're, we're going to get to in just a minute. But it's also handling your own expenses and making you know may, you know lifestyle decisions, you know based on maybe how inflation is impacting you. For example, gas prices affect you know airline prices and so forth, mm-hmm. um, and so it may affect you know how often you travel and those kinds of things. When it gets to retirement, you know, most people like you brought this up earlier, when it gets to, you know, finally someone gets to the point where they retire, they're not working a job or they're getting a raise, you know, potentially every year. Uh, Now, all of a sudden, you know, what happens to people in retirement is they tend to live on fixed income Mm -hmm. Uh, and fixed income is great, but it's typically based on, you know, the year that you retire, how much income do you need? So then there's a couple of schools of thought. How do we keep up with inflation over time while you're retired? And, and there are some people who will say, well, every year we should take your income and raise it by 3%. Hmm. You know, that is a way to do that. But there, there's a couple of issues that, you know, I have with doing it that way. Number mm-hmm. one is normally you're talking about a, a portfolio that has market risk. So if every year you're taking out 3%, and let's just say your internal expenses and fees in the portfolio is 4%, That means every year you're pulling out, you know, 4% of that account balance every single year. 
So you have to invest your money in such a way to always beat 4%. And then you run into what we have discussed several times in this show, many mm -hmm. times in our class, over and over, a, a risk that most nobody comprehends, and that is the sequence of returns risk. So when you're dealing with a mm -hmm. portfolio that has market risk that goes up and down in value over the course of a time and a year, the withdrawals from those accounts have a major, major impact, mm -hmm. especially in down years. And so just to say, hey, I'm going to have a portfolio, I'm going to start my retirement years with a $5,000 a month annual income, every single year I want it automatically to go up by 3%. There are some major other risks that you have to be concerned with that. That's one thing. The other thing typically is, as we know, as we've been dealing with people in retirement for all these years, is that most times um, inflation impacts us over longer periods of times. For example, mm -hmm. It might be five years from now when all of a sudden a client says, you know what, this $5,000 a month, I could use a little more income. Can we raise this to $5,500 a month? Mm -hmm. I need a 10%, you know, monthly raise. All of a sudden that makes more sense than doing 3% every single year for five years Yeah. in, in a market, in, you know, account that goes up and down in value. So in other words, it's better to mm -hmm. adjust your income stream in retirement based on your actual experience mm -hmm. rather than just on an automatic 3% annual increase of return. Yeah. And, and you know, we've been doing this for a long time mm -hmm. here and I, I don't, I can't tell you how many clients I've talked to and, and the experience that we've seen over the years is what you talked about where people make adjustments. The, the most interesting right. thing to me is I think a lot of people make those choices subconsciously. Right. Right? It's yeah. just they go into the month and they say, here's what we have, and we spend what we have, and yeah. we don't overspend. Yes. So they might eat out once less that month, right? And so it doesn't impact them. And then there's even, we've seen it, I always think of a bag of chips Yeah. when I think of inflation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes uh, manufacturers and people who make the products that we consume make adjustments too. Right. Right. So even, uh, I love coffee. Yes. And it used to be, you would always buy a pound of coffee. Yeah. A lot of places started trimming it back to 12 ounces of mm. coffee. Right. So it's still a bag, <laughs> but now it's 12 ounces instead of 16 same price, to try yeah. and yeah. keep the price closer to the same. And so these adjustments mm. happen automatically. Right. So that's why it's usually about every five years or so mm -hmm. where people start to realize, wow, things are really starting to get tight. And what's great about people that typically have planned successfully for retirement is, mm -hmm. you know, like you said, they're used to living on income stream. They don't want to dip into their savings or their growth bucket to get take more income. So they just learn to live on, you know, whatever income is coming in. Mm -hmm. But certainly there comes a point in time where you just need more income because the prices do go up. But, you know, our, our, our goal and our, our thought process here is that it doesn't have to be automatic every single year just because that's the average, you know, rate of return. Uh, sorry, the average annual inflation rate. There's a better way to do it. Let your investments grow. And then over time, adjust your income as needed, when needed, because mm -hmm. you're feeling, you know, feeling the pinch. Yes. And so the one thing that, you know, obviously here, we, we've talked about this in many of our episodes, I'm sure going back to especially season one, season two, where we laid the foundation, we believe there's three phases of investing and there's a three bucket approach to retirement income planning. And so what I really want to address with people is how to, how do, how do we deal with inflation? How do you beat inflation? How do you handle it first? 
is to look at what phase of investing you're in. So everyone who's an investor right now is in one of three phases. You're either in an accumulation phase, a preservation phase, or a distribution phase. Mm -hmm. Very simply, if you're in the accumulation phase of investing, that means you have more than 10 years before you're going to retire. If you're in the preservation phase, you're within that 10-year window of retirement. And if you're in the distribution phase, that means you're in retirement. You're in the withdrawal phase of investing. That matters for a lot of reasons, but it matters especially when how we're dealing with inflation. So I want to say to everybody listening to the podcast today that's in the accumulation phase, which means you have more than 10 years before you retire, um, you are your number one goal is to beat inflation. So mm-hmm. every year you you wake up, you start with a negative 3% return. That means your investments need to be allocated and, and invested in such a way to significantly outpace 3% per year. Mm-hmm. So you need to be invested to get, you know, 10% a year. So at 10%, your real rate of return, which factors in inflation would be around 7% per year. And so I'm saying this because a lot of people, Paul, we know get, you know, automatically enrolled in their 401k plan and mm. these kinds of things, which is great. Yes. Uh, but a lot of times people get, you know, they automatically get enrolled in maybe a stable value or people tend to be very conservative. And so they, they're not sure how they should invest their money in the 401k. And so they just do something, you know, based on a risk profile questionnaire, which we don't want to get me going down that, you know, trail. <laughs> All right. So because people tend to be more conservative than they need to be. So the bottom line is you can't be sitting in your 401k plan in the accumulation phase, invested in a very conservative portfolio of stable value. You need to be invested for growth because you started this year at a negative 3%. You've got to beat inflation mm-hmm. and you've got to beat it big time. If you want to, if you want your investments, your actual cash value, your assets to grow, um, at, you know, at accumulation rate of 7% per year compounded, then you need to be invested in such a way to really be averaging 10 Mm-hmm. that's extremely important. When you're in the preservation phase, now you're within 10 years of retirement. Now what we need to do is figure out how much of your assets would it take to generate the income you're going to need when you retire. Take that money right there and just make sure it simply keeps up with the inflation rate. What does that mean? That means we can take on a lot less risk to average 3% a year for those years before you retire. But whatever assets we don't need for income in the preservation phase, you can continue to let that grow to outpace inflation. Mm -hmm. Very important. Preservation phase, we take the assets we're going to need for income in the future and make sure it at least keeps up with inflation, but we can lower the risk to just match it. The rest of your assets should continue to outpace it. Now we get to the distribution phase and not much changes. We want to really make sure at the distribution phase, the money that you need to produce the income stream is safe and secure. It's going to give you the income that you need to at least start retirement. Uh, And that's why we tell people to be conservative and to be conservative in a retirement income estimate means you estimate high. So you assume your expenses are going to be at the highest level and all these things. Make sure your income to start retirement is at that level. And then whatever you don't need to produce an income stream should still be growing. One of the biggest mistakes I see people make in retirement is they tend to get conservative with all of their money. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to draw an income, keep their money liquid, draw an income from it, and grow it all in one portfolio. And we know that just does not work. There's no portfolio that can do all three things. 
And so we say, look, once you figured out how much income you need for short-term expenses, once you figured out how much assets it's going to take to produce the income you need, the rest of your money, even in retirement, in the distribution phase, even in your 70s and 80s, can still be outpacing inflation. Mm-hmm. You need to be beating, not averaging, not keeping up with, but beating 3% a year with the funds that are not needed for income. And that leads us into this three-bucket approach. So some, once someone gets to retirement during mm-hmm. the preservation phase or even the distribution phase, this is when retirement income planning becomes more serious Uh, This is a stage in someone's life where they really can't afford to make a mistake. We really have to look at the three buckets. And there is a liquid bucket, an income bucket, and a growth bucket. And and very quickly, I want to say in the liquid bucket, that means, again, I want to say this is when you're uh, in the accumulation phase, you always need somebody liquid. Mm -hmm. So whatever you need for an emergency fund or whatever you have a short-term known or planned expense, short-term to me means, you know, three to five years or less. Mm-hmm. You want to keep that in cash. We keep that money in cash only because we're not concerned about inflation because it's short term. Mm. We're worried about the impact of inflation long term. We're more worried short term that the market's going to take the money down than inflation. So therefore, if you have an emergency fund or a, or a known or planned purchases or expense in the next three to five years, we would keep that in cash, even though theoretically, or actually, you know, not theoretically, in reality, you're probably going to lose 3% of the purchasing power of that over time. But that's, yeah. it's more important to have that money available than yes. take a risk with it. So that liquid bucket's always there, whether you're in the accumulation phase or preservation or distribution. And, and you I always have you, a liquid bucket. Yeah, and you, you, we always say, Fully fund yes. your liquid bucket, but don't overfund That's it. right. And that's the reason why. Exactly. Yep. And so therefore, if you have, a lot of people have too much in cash and therefore you can still take money that you have sitting in the bank. It doesn't have to be aggressive. You can get a conservative portfolio and at least keep up with 3% a year, but only keep in cash exactly what you need for emergencies or for a known purchase or expense. Now you got the income bucket. The income bucket, once you get in the preservation phase or distribution phase, again, we just want to make sure we use the least amount of assets to guarantee the income that you need, you know, at a a base level. What is the fixed income that you need coming in for the rest of your life? No matter what, it won't go down ever. Mm -hmm. It won't go up but it's going to cover your basic needs for the rest of your life. Whatever you don't need to cover that income need, we put in the growth bucket in the purpose, Paul, of the growth bucket. And if anyone's listening, it's a client of this firm, knows this. The purpose of the growth bucket is to keep up with inflation, is to not make sure, is to make sure your portfolio does not take a hit. Mm-hmm. The reason we tell our clients, even in retirement, you need to have money in the growth bucket is because we need assets that are out there outpacing inflation. So that way in the future, if the income you know need that you started with increases, we can just take money from the growth bucket and supplement the income stream. Um, in, in the future, if healthcare costs rises, the growth bucket can help cover that because we need to make sure that thing is growing way beyond 3% per year to keep up with your purchasing power over time, to keep up with you, keep those assets growing over time because over the course of your retirement years, mm-hmm. we know taxes will probably go up. Inflation will go up. Healthcare costs will probably go up as well. And so (laughs) therefore, no matter when it impacts you, you know, if we're going to review this lesson, the the point is, is that it may not impact you every single year, but it will eventually. And you need that growth bucket at the very least 
to be earning a minimum of three to 4% a year just to keep it where it is now. But if you actually want to keep it where it is now and be able to adjust your income stream, it needs to be beating three to 4% a year, even throughout your retirement years. So the way we handle inflation here at our firm is, first of all, we're going to look at what phase of investing someone's in. Mm -hmm. That determines what we should be doing with that. And then second, we're going to look at, you know, uh, is this the liquid bucket? Is this the income bucket? Or is this the growth bucket? And then really make investment decisions on that. And uh, we believe it's not an insurmountable risk, just not mm -hmm. like the other 10 to 15 <laughs> we always talk about, okay? Inflation is something that I'm, I'm glad we're talking about early in 22 yes. because it is something that a lot of people are talking about. But it just seems to me that when the news media and everyone starts talking about it, it's normally all of a sudden becomes a more fearful thing that it needs to be. Mm -hmm. You know, like all of a sudden everyone's saying that this is there and yes, it's there, it's always there. But just like with everything else, have a plan. How do you deal with inflation risk? You have a plan. You don't just all of a sudden decide, oh boy, I'm inflation, I'm gonna do something crazy with my investments or, you know, everything needs to be done in the context of a plan. So I'll just start 2022 by reminding everybody that to have a plan, you certainly you, they can call us, they can talk to us. Um, we have a, you know, we've got courses coming up live, Simplify Your Retirement. Anyone can go to that website, simplifyretirement.com. Uh, we have an online course mm -hmm. uh, now. We've got a live course. We've got the podcast. We've got some YouTube uh, videos that are coming out now throughout the course of the year. So you can connect with us on simplifyretirement.com or even wisewealth.com. If you're interested in, in actually having an appointment, sitting down with one of our financial advisors, then certainly the website to go to there is wisewealth.com. Yeah. And, you know, for those listening to maybe for the first time or uh, joined us kind of mid mid show here, you know, you, encourage you to go back to season one. So you keep talking about don't let your portfolio take a hit. In episode four, we really talked about that. That was that was the topic of episode okay. four of season one hmm. in uh, episode eight, nine and ten. We took a deep dive into each of the buckets that you talk about, the okay. liquid bucket, the income bucket, and the growth bucket. So those are great ones to be able to think about. Absolutely. And, you know, just the last thought that I had as you were talking is I kept hearing a number in the back of my head, and the number's five. Mm -hmm. And so it was interesting to me because you said, you know, it, inflation a lot of times really impacts someone about maybe every five years. Mm -hmm. And then you said we handle inflation in the growth bucket. And I think about the fact that the money we put in the growth bucket is something that we don't need for at least five years. That's right. Yeah, we have the five-year rule. You don't only take diversified risk with funds that you don't need for at least five years or longer. Mm -hmm. and, and it all works together. Yeah. It really does. And that's the reason why. You know, we, we constantly are using five years as a metric, you know, how much you should have in cash, how much you should have in the growth bucket. Um, and it's for these reasons, because we also know from practical experience, you know, how the markets work. You know what I mean? As far as having positive returns, how much time you need, uh, but then also how inflation impacts people. Yeah, and, and it's it's very similar to the the old saying, you know, you can't see the forest through the trees. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we focus on the tree. Mm -hmm. We focus on the high or the low, the high or the low. And so that five-year view really helps with that. And the plan is what dictates all of that. Absolutely. And so, yeah, definitely uh, it's a great topic, great reminder. Uh, certainly appreciate you bringing that up today and talking through that. You know, this is something that is uh, timeless. Yes, 
uh, episode. And so it's a great one to be able to share with your family and friends. And so thank you, Stephen, again, for your knowledge and expertise and your willingness to teach and uh, encourage others to make sure that they plan and have a plan that address all these risks. And of course, our, our last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. We wouldn't be here without you. Thank you for tuning in to the Simplify Your Retirement podcast with Stephen Strickland. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, just click the subscribe now button below. That way, when Stephen comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This also makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your family and friends, especially a podcast like this one. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Wise Wealth, this is Paul Brock reminding you that financial peace comes from having a plan. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Simplify Your Retirement podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Wise Wealth LLC or Simplify Your Retirement. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of a financial advisor or other qualified financial professionals with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.